0: Hello Tappers. Welcome back to another episode of Murder on Tap. We have a new beer and a new true crime story for you. I'm your host, Jose. And I'm Allie. And that's our other host, Allie.
1: Hello and welcome and thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for joining us once again. And if you haven't joined us before, welcome. So, do we have any news today?
1: Well, not beer news, but, um, the world of true crime, yes. Okay. I'm sure many have heard by now, but on June 29th, after 45 years of committing his first murder, Joseph James D'Angelo finally admitted to being the golden state killer.
0: It only took 45 years. That's all. Well, that's all. He's how old now? So that's
1: huge. He's like 70 uh 74 or something.
0: Okay, so he's probably
1: Yeah, 74.
0: He's probably not thinking about having a long sentence. No,
1: not at this point and from the from just like his appearance, his health doesn't look like it's in the best shape either. So
0: Maybe that's why he admitted to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More than anything. I mean, you know what I mean? That's crazy, but. Uh,
0: you uh, mean I know what I mean? You, you, mean what you I mean.
1: know what I mean. I'll definitely cover that story one day, but. um.
0: That's probably going to be a long one.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Six he part had a story, 12 coming up. year run. Okay. He had a 12 year run. We're going to do. Burglaries, murders.
0: One part. Every one episode, so <laughs> 12 episodes coming up.
1: 12 episodes. It's going to be a series. It's
0: going to be a series, no, and no, you guys no, have to listen to each gonna one not going to be wonderful.
1: that. No, but definitely um, tune in when that <laughs> when we do <laughs> release that.
0: <laughs> Hopefully.
1: <laughs> uh, awesome.
0: All right. <clears throat> so do tell.
1: Let's, let's jump into the beer, though. Let's jump
0: into the beer and what it is, because I'm excited.
1: I'm excited, and I'm
0: thirsty okay let's pour it out
1: pour it on out okay that's pretty
0: pretty good pretty good all right here you go thank you there's your glass here's my can cheers
1: cheers and cheers to you all Hmm. okay
0: Oh, wow. That's pretty good.
1: That's really good.
0: Alrighty. So, let me just jump straight into it. Should I?
1: No, no. Just wait for a few more minutes. Okay. Yes, obviously jump straight into it. Hurry the hell up.
0: Alright. Today, our beer is from the Dust Bowl Brewing Company. My notes came directly from their website because I literally couldn't find it anywhere else once again they were all you know um, little things here and there about their business how much they make and this and that but we don't really want to know how much they make
1: but did they make a lot pretty much yeah well
0: let's what? just do it it's straight from their website it's straight from their uh, their bio that they put themselves so uh, yeah I'm going to read straight from it I'm not taking any credit on doing any notes Because technically I didn't. But hey, you're here to learn about beer and true crime. So here we go. The Dust Bowl Story. The spirit of Dust Bowl Brewing Company was born decades ago thanks to one family's unwavering passion for adventure and immeasurable dedication to one another. The tale begins back in the 1930s.
1: Wow. The Dust Bowl.
0: The Tate family...
1: What?
0: Right? Dust Bowl... Yeah, Dust Bowl Brewing. The Tate family loaded their Model A and left Oklahoma for a journey that would prove fruitful for generations to come. The Great Depression, coupled with life in the Dust Bowl Corridor, had... Corridor, sorry. Had nearly dried up everything in the Tate family. Everything the Tate family had, except, of course their thirst for success and love for each other. Determined to thrive, Grandpa Tate became a real life hobo, riding the rails in pursuit of work and a few dollars to feed his family. Ultimately, the Tate survived the set and settled in California where they raised their children to appreciate hard work, love for family, a hearty sense of humor, and a craving for new frontiers. Let's fast forward to 2006 to Turlock, California, a small community located in the agriculturally rich Central Valley and home to Brett Tate, a third generation Tate family member. A retired high school teacher and coach of 20 years, Brett was cultivating a passion for brewing and searching for a way to make his dream a reality. His good fortune became, I'm sorry, his good fortune came in the way of the morning paper which seemed to deliver just the news he needed. Tucked between sports and weather was an article featuring a young brewer named Don Oliver, winner of a 2006 Samuel Adams Long Shot Home Brew Competition. Not only was Don an experienced home brewer, he shared Brett's desire to start a brewery. Pioneer in their own right, Pioneers in their own right Brett and Don Came together Determined to craft Some of the finest brews Ever to emerge From Central California In 2009 Dust Bowl Brewing Company Produced its first beer Known as Hops of Wrath IPA Hmm. Which I have heard of But I did not know It was Dust Bowl Brewing Okay So In 2010 Central Valley native Brett. Honor, honoré, it's honor with an E with an accent at the end. How would you pronounce that? Henri? Honor, no, E with the accent is A. Right? Honoré? Okay, honoré, honoré. Joined in partnership with Brett Tate. Together, they opened the downtown taproom in August 2011. S- after several years of steady success and growing demand, the need for a larger facility and expanded production was clear. The Dust Bowl Brewing Company team embarked on a new adventure, building a 30,000 square foot facility to house a new brewery and restaurant to complement the downtown location. The brewery tap room opened in July 2016 and featured two 20 tap towers, a full-service restaurant, indoor and patio seating, brewery views, beer garden, corn hall, uh, I'm not sure exactly Everybody's how to pronounce this one.
1: Favorite pastime game.
0: Both b o c c e. Bochi, Bo I'm sorry, I, I can't pronounce. I, I literally don't know what that is. Beer events and more. In June 2020, the original downtown tap room was closed to consolidate operations in Dust Bowl's hometown and develop the brewery tap room experience. My mouth is a little bit dry. And I just heard myself go. <laughs> and I hope you guys heard it too. So, today the company's third tap room, known as the tap depot, is located in Monterey, California and opened in June twenty nineteen.
1: So all the tap rooms are in California?
0: Yeah, Turlock, Monterey and I forgot what the is other it one
1: downtown?
0: Central Valley. No, it's in the Central Valley downtown. Oh.
1: I thought you meant like...
0: No, not LA. Downtown. I don't (laughs) think LA, no. (laughs) Situated next to the world-famous Fisherman's Wharf, the standalone building was originally built in 1874 as a train depot. The decor plays into the rich Monterey references of acclaimed author John Steinbeck, Mm. which ties back to the Dust Bowl brewing brand story didn't he write the giving tree it's like the tap depot offers 24 <laughs> taps <laughs> indoor seating and an outdoor patio with a communal fireplace communal fire uh, fire pit sorry heaters more cornhole and easy access to the resident food truck
1: Ah, uh, easy access yep that sounds awesome what a great location
0: yeah that's uh that's very the monterey up there a little bit of north from us yeah not a little bit but you know a good amount of away from us but hey we could make a trip out there
1: i mean it's only five hours probably less than that
0: where's um is san rafael close to there.
1: No, Monterey is like closer to like... Uh, it's a little bit past San Jose. Either before or after San Jose. That San Jose Fresno area.
0: Okay. And I messed up. John Steinbeck did not write The Giving Tree. <laughs> no, he did not. It was Shel Sever- Silverstein.
1: Yes, it was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Way off. Wow. Yeah, for some reason I just remember the... Giving tree, I'm not sure. Maybe because I'm drinking beer. But yeah, that's the story I got off of them. Very um, cool. Let me get the. Let me tell you about the the actual founders. Was uh, was a uh, Brett Tate, who was the actual founder. And in two thousand and nine was when they brewed on Mother's Day. Exactly was when they brewed that mother. I just dropped my pen. Is when they brewed the the wrath beer.
1: Okay. Is that what we're drinking?
0: No, it's not. Oh all right. Hops of wrath. Yeah. They have a uh, today they have three tap rooms.
1: I wonder where we can find that hops of wrath. Maybe we can find it and try it.
0: You know what? I haven't seen the dust bowl no, brewing thing. So mm-hmm. and you know what? And I think they named it that because of the book The Grapes of Wrath. Oh, The Hops of Wrath.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, give it a try. We're going to tell you about it right now. The beer name is... Therapist Imperial IPA. And in the front, i am just got to tell you, in the front of it, it says, Therapist. No appointment necessary. Ha, so true. It isn't. Because you could just do it whenever you want.
1: Your beer is your therapist.
0: There you go. Well, not really. If you really do need a therapist, but
1: no, I know, and we encourage it. If you need to see a therapist, please do. They're very helpful.
0: Yes, maybe it could help you out a little bit.
1: What are you trying to say?
0: Okay. Cheers. <laughs> Let's give it a taste and a little review. Cheers. Ah, that is pretty tasty.
1: This is delicious.
0: So look, let's start with the look of it.
1: The last few beers we've had have been pretty consistent with the same color as what's in front of me. And again, it's that just beautiful, what light, do I say, Not copper? light, but like
0: copper, amber color.
1: Yeah, not so much amber, but more copper. Okay. Or maybe bronze.
0: A little bronzish, yeah. yeah. Maybe okay. it's because you're holding it in a, I don't know, maybe it's because of the... Color of the walls we have we have like a greenish colored wall, so yeah, but it's
1: like mint green. it's not that effective,
0: okay, so smell <laughs> I was thinking about more of olive green, but it's not really olive um. smell it's little hops, a little bit of hops.
1: I think that's what I'm smelling too. More the hops than anything, and it's very overpowering in hops too.
0: Yeah, and it has some, some fruit. Pine, of course, is your your, you know your IPAs, especially. When they're up there, wait. When they're up there in alcohol, which I forgot to mention, is, a ten point four.
1: What we're drinking right now. Yes. Okay.
0: Ten point four. Nice. So you could usually have smell a little bit more hops in it, um, but for that much alcohol, you can't really. S- everything's pretty subtle too, you know. I think that's my new word: subtle.
1: I know. I think we say subtle about like every single subtle. beer we've been drinking.
0: Everything is subtle. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Pretty subtle. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty pretty subtle as well.
1: You settled today.
0: <laughs> I settled twice. <laughs> No, it sound it doesn't sound good. Okay. The best part? Taste. The
1: only part. Just g- <laughs> the only reason why we gave you a part in this podcast. Just wow. Kidding.
0: I meant wow to that your pine. remark, but it's really good. A little, little bit of pine. And some um, hops. The hops are in the back.
1: Yeah, but the pine, I think that is the one. You get like
0: thing. a residual you know A little bit, the, but
1: not so much. And to me like.
0: Because you don't swirl it. You swirl it. Remember I, mean, I told you you get more flavor know, when you I swirl do. it.
1: And
0: And you just to spit me, it back out like wine. A little
1: bit, no, wait, you you don't even spit out wine.
0: Yeah, you have to you oh. think, when you wine taste they say What's that you What's the point you, of that. You sip it, you swirl it in your mouth and you spit it back out.
1: What a waste of alcohol. I'll just drink it.
0: Okay, you could drink my spitty wine,
1: not yours. I'd have my own cup.
0: oh, wow, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I thought we were gonna share a cup
1: uh not anymore now that you're spitting it back into a cup apparently. It's not
0: technically spitting, it's just backwashing it.
1: You are wasting but alcohol, jose
0: taste like I said, I get a little residual flavor in the back.
1: I do too, but it's rather it's not it's not dry, but it tastes dry. With, like, a hint of... It's a it's a perfect combination between dry and juicy. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Maybe a little dank?
1: Not so much dank. Is it a dank IPA?
0: I don't know. When I think about dank, I think about, like, stinky.
1: No, that's not what I think. I think, or like...
0: like
1: no, I think of, like, the flavor being, like... Not Old. heavy in a bad way, but, like... In a good way, do you know what I mean?
0: Not in a bad way, but, but like in a
1: good way. In the opposite of that. <laughs> like a good way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: do you even know what I'm saying?
1: It stank.
0: <laughs> Did you say it stank?
1: I said it's dank.
0: Oh, it stank. Um, it's a very good beer, actually. It is. We have a pint, and we shared half of it, and I have like two sips left.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm pretty taking, much. I'm taking a big swigs at a time. This is it really good? I'm pretty much done with it, and again, I go on these little binges where I take um, a break from drinking once in a while, like at least <laughs> a few nights out of the week. I try to cut it out a I little know. bit. Cut and
0: it down, not cut it out.
1: I am feeling this beer. This beer. This, this beer. This beer. Beer. I am feeling this beer nice right now it's so, delicious
0: let me get into what the reviewers thought dude about tell. it That's so weird. the reviewers for the look they said it was a clear amber
1: well they're lying okay
0: and no and the head on about. it the <laughs> foam head was a it was very white foamy clear clear white foamy it is pretty white though, compared to the other ones. Yeah, it
1: is white and it's it's I don't wanna say clear, but it's not like uh, it's not super thick.
0: Yeah, the only part it's thick is around the like it kinda the fades. sides. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what they said. And the smell, they said it was pineapple heavy. Okay. Hoppy they had citrus scents malt they also said it was dank pine and i have never heard this on a beer before was the first time rubber rubber smell it no I didn't maybe glue,
1: but not rubber no. you
0: sniff a lot of glue lately <laughs> huh
1: I've been busy at work
0: <laughs> wow, <laughs> so the taste they said that there was uh they tasted malt it was a very dank forward I'm thinking I think when they make when they mean dank they mean the malt in it
1: okay, that makes sense'
0: Cause it was malt slash dank forward okay citrus.
1: I'm not really getting too much citrus with this.
0: I did taste a little bit, but not like, you know, not nothing like really noticeable that much. Interesting. And there was a grapefruit aftertaste.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: <laughs> yes, I forgot yes, that one. Yes, to this beer and all the
1: other beers. Every beer has grapefruit.
0: <laughs> Every single
1: <laughs> beer, I'm telling you.
0: But, uh, yeah, so that's what came out of them. And uh, for, if I forgot to tell you, this is an um, an i uh, sorry an imperial IPA, and it is seasonal. It rotates seasonally, Okay. so it's not just like year round. No, not year round. <laughs> it's not just like you know. It's only during winter, or it's only during summer, or it's only during this. It's rotated around.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: One year it could be spring and winter. One year it could be summer and fall. Whatever they feel like, huh?
1: Yeah. That's cool. That's cool.
0: So, give At it a try. At least we got to experience it for it's this season. Therapist Imperial IPA by Dust Bowl Brewing Company. Ten point four percent. What do we get this beer for? Maybe like
1: delicious, like, like uh, six ninety
0: nine or something like that. About for a pint.
1: About. I don't That's think we got anything.
0: You get yourself two of these for yourself. Ooh,
1: you are good. But then again, you could also probably get a six pack for that amount. Just saying.
0: Well, a six pack of something else. Yeah. But <laughs> I would do this. I would mean, do two least of these. At try
1: it. Give jump it a try. Jump in the pool.
0: Get a, get to you, pour yourself a glass of this. Jump in the pool. Just hang out in your floaties or that little donut thing where you could float around and not have to do anything.
1: For sure.
0: Or what's that one big floaty where it's like a. It's, it's big enough where it has like a table. No, have you seen those floaties that have like beer holders?
1: Yeah. They put, come with them now. Put those in those, bam. Yeah. You're all set. For sure. You don't have to do anything else. Get Fourth out of, of the July, pool, here nothing. it come. Alright, well, now that you are done talking about the floaties.
0: We should get floaties. Okay. Okay, we so. We should
1: probably get a pool first before <laughs> we get the floaties.
0: Well, there's kiddie pools that they sell at. Like big lots well, you're and stuff.
1: Definitely not gonna need floaties with your six foot self, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am six foot, huh? There you go. <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me. So that was a beer, Imperial IPA Therapist by Dust Bowl Brewing Company.
1: Was there any quirky little sayings on the can?
0: As a matter of fact, I yeah, you completely you forgot something. this beer made me forget.
1: Good thing um, I'm here to remind you
0: in the bottom on the bottom of the beer it says turn it wrong side up responsibly so I'm thinking we could have shook in this beer oh maybe that's where the, the dank
1: bottom. was you know what I mean maybe oh the maybe dank settled
0: maybe it is here I'll pour some in yours oh
1: there's the dank I seen you see see the foam You see yeah, all the yeah, foam yeah, changes yeah.
0: All right, and there's a little saying on the side. This hop-centric Imperial IPA treats you to a heavy dose of hops that won't leave you bitter. Have a seat. You'll (laughs) need one. And leave your worries to the therapist. Ooh, I like that. I
1: like that a lot. We're all getting
0: tattoos of that.
1: Very cool, and I really like the name that they went with.
0: Hey, leave your worries in this beer. I like it. Uh, and the beer is the beer can is actually pretty cool. It's all black, and everything else is like a light greenish. What's it? Yellow green? Yeah. Yellow green is not even a color.
1: Okay, oh, lime green. I don't know.
0: Lime green? No, lime green's a little bit more popping.
1: No, it could be.
0: This is more like a lemon green. Could be
1: settle like that.
0: This is more like a salmon.
1: What? It's not even salmon. Salmon like pink. I know. Like oh, pink. A joke.
0: <laughs> okay give it a try let us know what you think post pictures up on instagram and now it's time for true crimes by ally
1: true crimes i'm only doing one
0: okay true crime but you usually have a couple of things going on instead that's of this one true, that's
1: true
0: that is true crime true crime true crime
1: Thank you. Thank you for this uh, you know, you great selected time. beer. I know, but it's really good. You were the one who
0: picked this, actually. So. Did I? I picked this one? <laughs> yes, I don't remember.
1: Did. I don't really remember picking anything out. I just kind of grab and it goes in the pile and that's it.
0: Well, you were probably drunk at the time.
1: Probably. Okay. Let's start my story. So this is one of Hollywood's infamous murders. And to this day... It goes unsolved.
0: The Dahlia murders. No. Oh. Let
1: me just guess right. You don't have to guess. I I think that was wrong, too. didn't want you to guess, but okay. So, June 29th, 1978. Began as nearly all Scottsdale summer days do. Temperatures soared above 100 degrees by high noon. And we're talking Scottsdale, Arizona, by the way. Of Residents course. took re- refuge in their heavily air conditioned villas, um, leaving the wide streets empty as any southwest ghost town. Victoria Ann Barry was scheduled to meet her co star at his apartment at approximately 1 p.m. She happened to get there earlier than her appointed time. As she approached her co-star's front door at the Winfield Place Apartments, she knocked and waited for an answer. She noticed the morning paper was outside on the stoop, so she scooped it up to take it inside. After several moments of knocking, there was still no answer. She turned the doorknob only to find the front door open, which was a little bit strange to her. As she walked into the apartment, she entered complete darkness. Thick drapes hung from curtain rods, making the room dark and eerie. She closed the door behind her and began calling out for Bob. Still, there is no reply. Victoria makes her way through the apartment and notices the bedroom door ajar. She can see the silhouette of a body lying in the bed, at first assuming it to be a female because of the darkened head area. She walks closer and realizes it's actually a man with what looks like chocolate sauce splattered all over his head and walls. But... It's actually coagulated blood.
0: Coagulated.
1: Oh. I knew that. I just have a... Whatever. (laughs) I feel like coagul Whatever. She sees the very expensive French watch and soon realizes it is her co-star, Bob Crane. Screaming, she runs out of the apartment to find help from the neighbors. I'm sorry, to get help from the neighbors. Paulette Cosetta was the first officer on the scene. Upon speaking with Victoria Berry, she quickly shut the door to the apartment, escorted Victoria to her police car, and called for backup. Officers from the Scottsdale Police Department swarmed the apartment. As a matter of fact, this was one of the criticisms of the case. This was one of the biggest criticisms of the case. So because so many people were present and smoking, Using the telephone and moving around, they contaminated the crime scene. For Scottsdale Police Department, this was something very new to them. They hardly ever had any murders like this, especially a celebrity murder. So investigators asked surrounding neighbors if they had witnessed anything or seen anyone suspicious. Meanwhile, other investigators were inside the apartment, touching whatever came in reach, turning on the light switches, lifting things off the ground. And, to top it all off, they decided to bring back Victoria Berry, the first person to witness the horrific scene. So, forced entry was not apparent. Although the home seemed unkept, it appeared nothing had been taken or in any way did the home look ransacked. However, later on, investigators would be told a photo album was missing. Video equipment covered the floor while videotapes crowded the sofa. The murder scene itself was in the bedroom. The bludgeoned, the bludgeoned body, <clears throat> with a cord around his neck, had once been Bob Crane, a TV star, <clears throat> excuse me, known to millions as the wisecracking title character on the 1960s sitcom Hogan's Heroes.
0: Oh, that's, yes. I remember the name from.
1: Yeah. So. Crane's grisly murder revealed another type of on-camera work he was dabbling into. So, Robert Edward Crane was born July 13, 1928, in Waterbury, Connecticut. In 1949, he married his high school sweetheart, Anne Terzian. They would go on to have three children, Robert, David, uh, Jr., Deborah, Anne, and Karen Leslie. Crane began his broadcasting career in 1950 at WLEA in New York. And he moved to different stations for a few years when, in 1956, he was hired by CBS Radio to host the morning show in Los Angeles. He made several appearances on so many great hits, the Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and Crane even made a guest appearance on the Dick Van Dyke Show. Not to forget, of course, he was uh, guest hosting for Johnny Carson on the day time game show who do you trust i have not seen any of these shows by the <coughs> way including hogan's heroes not gonna lie what you say
0: the dick van dyke show
1: yes he made a guest appearance yeah on it.
0: that's that's old school i don't yeah, know about yeah. the daytime show one though no. well i mean it was just on, some
1: yeah. kind of some kind of like game show you know it was like <clears throat> probably like one of those um i don't know
0: like the price is right and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
1: thinking of the other one with them. Fuel. What is it? Shit.
0: Family Feud.
1: Not Family Feud, but like another. I don't know. I can't remember. There was a bunch of them back Wheel in the Fortune. day. Wheel of Fortune. No, like older than that. Like the like old school, like '60s, '70s, '80s, like game shows and big win, no win. games and stuff uh, like that. You know what I mean?
0: The show. Or- Who's that
1: guy that was always kissing all the? cast members
0: um
1: i can't remember his I name what his name was but you know who i'm talking about yeah, he would just go around about. and he would kiss everybody like and yeah it's
0: from the dating the, game, the dating game the
1: is it love Dane? connection love connection love connection is I that think. what it's called
0: i think that's what it was
1: okay anyway we're getting sidetracked so uh crane was incorporated into the storyline of the Donna Reed show and after a year crane was offered the starring role in a television situation comedy set in a campy 1960 sitcom about the smart Alecky World War II prisoners of war, who continually outsmart their bumbling German captors. Officially titled, Hogan's Heroes.
0: So can I interrupt? That guy's name was Chuck Woolery. Yes. He used to kiss all Chuck the people. Chuck
1: Woolery. Yes, that's that's him. Yeah,
0: Just, he used to kiss his uh. Yeah, Love everybody, show.
1: everybody he came in contact with, he kissed on that show and on TV too. But that's not Robert Crane, so let's not get that confused. Okay. Well,
0: they have different names.
1: I know. So, Hogan's Hero took off. The show was a hit and finished in the top ten in its first year. And that's pretty big, you know? But this is also, like, we're talking 1965,
0: and... um, TV shows weren't as big as they are now.
1: No, and especially since... I mean technically the war had been over for a good 15 years, 20 years by this time.
0: But it was a war show. But it was a war show. Well, and you know what? Like, they
1: brought it back and yeah. From what I read and from what I've heard, it was kind of like
0: um Kind what? I heard it was really good actually.
1: Really? Did you ever see it though?
0: I saw a couple episodes, and they still probably have it on that show. I mean, on that network, Nick at Night. Yeah, I'm either thinking
1: Nick at Night or like TV Land or something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, I probably moved it on to onto. I mean, if Land. I'm
1: guessing, it was pretty. Con- it was a pretty controversial show, from what.
0: Like I, I said, was I watched like two Nazis episodes and, stuff
1: and I don't know. It was just, but it was a hit. Whatever it was, it was a hit, and it took off. So. His first marriage ended in 1970, but Crane had already been romantically involved with his co-star, Patricia Olson for a couple years at that point. Crane and Patricia Olson had, um, two kids of their own. I'm sorry, they eventually got together and they got married, and they had two kids of their own. Their daughter was actually adopted, but sadly... Um, it wouldn't last, and the couple split in 1977. Prior to his second marriage ending, uh, Hogan's Heroes would end in 1971. I'm sorry, this was right after his marriage ended and right when he got into his second marriage. Um, Hogan's Heroes ended after an outstanding six-year run. What fans didn't know was that Crane used his celebrity status to meet women and hook up with them. Oh, and not to forget, he actually enjoyed collecting nude photos of them. Oh. And women found Crane equally attractive and usually allowed whatever, um, usually allowed him to do whatever he wanted. Basically, um, most especially sexually. Aiding Crane in his sexual and cinematic. Conquests was John Henry Carpenter, a video equipment salesperson from Sony who helped Crane acquire gadgetry to watch and make erotica long before the birth of internet porn. He often videotaped his own sexual activities with multiple women and his pal John Carpenter was even involved in numerous sexual encounters and tapes along with Crane. He was like considered his like, his Sex partner, yeah. I don't want to say sex partner, like, you know what I mean? But, like, he was...
0: What was his name again?
1: John Carpenter. John Henry Carpenter.
0: Okay.
1: He would collect the nude photographs and make an album. But what triggered a downhill spiral was when he began showing cast members at Disney Studios the photographs. At that point, he was getting ready to star in Super Dad. This him doing that hurt him a lot when executives actually found out that he was like going around and showing people these photographs so realizing he could not get rid of his of this behavior on his own he sought professional counseling in the beginning of 1978 crane would sadly never use would never see the end of his recovery on june 29th he would be found bludgeoned to death and strangled with a cord Anyway, so investigators soon put together the pieces of that night. Upon reviewing the extensive videotape collection, they learned Crane's co-star to many of the X-rated films, John Carpenter, had actually flown to Phoenix, where Bob Crane was living at the time, on June 25th to spend a few days with Crane. According to Carpenter, he actually left the apartment the morning of Crane's death, and I read somewhere that, like, he basically, um, I don't know if it was a voicemail or whatever it was, but he called to say that, uh, he called somebody, Carpenter called somebody and told them, like, how he was specifically in California and, like, what he was doing, you know what I mean? Like, the way he was, um, describing his, like, position made it seem like he was trying to put it out there in a sense so it could be like an alibi for himself. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know if it was his like daughter or who he was talking to, but he just went into extensive detail about what he was doing and where he was and I think it was, you know, maybe possibly to like cover his cover his ass as to getting back the same morning as uh, Crane dying. So not only did cops know the pair had been fighting, there was no sign of forced entry in Crane's apartment, which suggested that the victim knew his assailant. But there was even more damning evidence than that. There was a bl- lot of blood at the crime scene. Traces of blood were found on the back of the door. I'm sorry, the back of the exit door, the front door, and the doorknob. Upon interviewing Carpenter, investigators requested to search his rental car. Well, it wasn't that they requested. They basically confiscated the vehicle and...
0: um. They said, we don't care what you think. We're going to still do it.
1: Yeah. Well, they... They yeah. searched it. They didn't give a shit. So in Carpenter's Crystal I'm sorry, in Carpenter's Chrysler Cordoba, investigators found blood on the passenger door. So although the DNA testing was not available in nineteen seventy eight, they were still able to figure out the blood type of the piece of evidence which happened to be a type B blood. And Crane's blood type was actually type B. Is that the rare blood? Yes. So that was another thing. Because it was so rare, like, you know what I mean? It stood out a lot, especially considering that nobody else who handled the car had the same blood type as Crane. This piece of evidence was not enough. Absent a murder weapon, detectives could not persuade the county attorney to issue an arrest warrant. And because the crime scene had been tampered by a swarm of investigators and random people going in and out of the apartment, no other evidence was apparent. The one thing investigators were, uh, were aware of later was the photo album that contained the many nude photos of women and the different sexual encounters of cranes was missing i wrote it was but i didn't finish my sentence so (laughs) there's one piece of note that i can't tell you about so it wouldn't be another 12 years before scottsdale detective jim rains uncovered an unseen crime scene photo that showed a speck of brain tissue in carpenter's car the actual tissue sample was long gone at this point but the image was ruled admissible by a judge so they attempted to re-examine the evidence from nineteen seventy eight, um, from nineteen seventy eight, and DNA testing of the blood found in Carpenter's rental was inconclusive. So John Henry Carpenter was apprehended for Crane's murder in June nineteen ninety two and charged with. Uh, he was charged with Crane's murder. I um, wrote that twice. Sorry. Okay. So, the new theory held that the missing tripod was the blunt instrument used as the murder weapon and that the blood in Carpenter's rental car had dripped from it when he leaned it against the car door. So, when investigators were examining the scene and. Um, examining. <laughs> huh, when they were. They
0: <laughs> examining
1: they noticed that the um like the wounds on crane's head basically had this like v-shape to them and they couldn't figure out what it was until they looked around the room and they saw the other tripods that the cameras were on and then they kind of put two and two together because it had the shame it had the same shape as that tripod but blunt in addition, force trauma. yes, blunt force trauma with the tripod. But in addition to that, he also had a cord wrapped around his neck. Oh,
0: okay. So, okay. So suffocation as well.
1: Yes. Um, at the 1994 trial, Crane's son, Robert Jr., testified that in the weeks before his father's death, Crane had repeatedly expressed a desire to sever his friendship with Carpenter. Carpenter's defense presented evidence, including witnesses from the restaurant where the two men had dined the evening before the murder, that Carpenter and Crane were still the best of friends. They noted the murder weapon had never been identified or found, although they uh, speculated to be this tripod, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. they disputed the claim that newly discovered evidence, um, the newly discovered photo evidence that showed the brain tissue presented many examples of the sloppy work by police, such as mishandling and misplacing of evidence, including the crucial tissue sample itself. They pointed out that Crane had been videotaped and photographed in compromising sexual positions with numerous women, implying that any of them fearing blackmail might have been the killer. Other potential suspects proposed by defense attorneys included angry husbands and boyfriends of the women. So in the end there still wasn't enough evidence to convict Carpenter and the jury agreed with the prosecution. He was acquitted in 1994. Until his death in 1998, Carpenter claimed his innocence in that case. So no other suspect was uh, was apprehended for Crane's death since Carpenter's trial. But in 2017, Phoenix television anchor John Hook published a book about the Crane case and was able to get the access was able to get access to some of the blood samples that were used as evidence. After nearly two decades, Hook Hook had blood samples from the car door retested using newer DNA technology. The results indicated two separate profiles, neither of which matched Crane, and the testing only revealed the presence of a previously unidentified uh, male. The rest of the results were inconclusive. Although Hook, like many other, believe, Carpenter was actually Crane's killer. So Crane's son, Robert Jr., is willing to go along with the theory, but he had also pointed the finger at his stepmother, who died of lung cancer at 72 in 2007. She was in the middle of a divorce with Crane, and if there was no divorce, she would keep what she gets. But if I'm sorry, if there was a divorce, she would keep what she gets, but if there was no divorce, then she gets it all. In the years since, the stars family uh, family members have battled grief and one another. Before her death, Patricia, Patricia Olson moved her husband's body from its original resting place to another cemetery without telling Crane's first family. Then um she goes on to set up a memorial website with her son Scott that peddled some of Crane's amateur porn Scott Crane declined to comment for this article but Ford says he regrets his actions and has shuttered the site
0: Wait they sold
1: Entertainment Weekly reported Mhm
0: They sold the porn that he made
1: Yeah his his, his family Yes wow. well actually so it's um it says that it's Patricia's, it's Patricia's son, Scott that peddled it. So I'm guessing it may have either been from either a prior marriage or a marriage after Crane.
0: But wow.
1: Yeah, because this wasn't a uh, dead this man. Wasn't yeah, a totally. dead
0: man's porn or sex vids to make a profit out of after his death.
1: Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah. So again, he. Um, he he took. Uh, he took down the set eventually, but he's now focused on getting his dad. Oh, I guess he is one of his sons. I'm such a blonde. I literally said Scott Crane.
0: You're not a blonde at all.
1: I'm a little bit blonde. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, eventually he would regret his actions, and he's now focused on getting his dad inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, and has destroyed his father's massive collection of polaroids and porn films with them going with them goes <clears throat> an intriguing part of a curious hollywood career uh, robert crane so robert junior does not speak to his step-siblings and his mother and sis- and his sisters refuse to talk about what happened so many years ago in scottsdale it's bizarre to me. Or he, it's bizarre to me, he says in the Entertainment Weekly article. I'm not expecting a uh, "Let's hold hands at the table," but we've just never talked about it. And yet, like all the strangers fascinated by the sunny public life and mysterious death of Bob Crane, he cannot seem to let it go. I don't know what else to do, he says. Carpenter's dead. Patty's dead. Time is just taking people away. And that is the. Uh, one of the many infamous Hollywood celebrity deaths. Or murders, I should say.
0: You don't really have copies of those videos and pictures.
1: I mean, I really hope not. That's a little yeah, bit same weird, here, but, but, I'm sure but at the same time, it's like, you know, a last piece of something from your dad. I wouldn't want it out there.
0: It's like, hey, I don't have any other memories of my dad except for some pornos that he yeah. made. Let me, let me so I'm going to keep them. <laughs> let me go back and watch those. At least I get to
1: see his face every once in a while.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay, well, let's switch it up to some good news. Thank you for your story.
1: Thank you, thank you for
0: listening. It's a listening. celebrity story this week. Very yeah. nice. A lot of people watched Hogan's Heroes.
1: Sadly, I never had the opportunity to, or maybe I just didn't find any interest in it, but... um. Maybe it was just the fact that it was black and white, and I couldn't stand shows that were black and white.
0: Yeah, black and white's a little bit weird. It's uh, too much. You know what? We'll watch a couple episodes in the weekend. Yeah. How about that?
1: Sure, if we can come across it. I'm curious now, now that I hear about, like, just the plot, the show, it's kind of um, intriguing.
0: Okay, well, thank you once again, and we're moving on to some A-OK good news of the week. Let's do it. From the Good News Network, here we go. So the headline reads, Adorable artwork from these small kids shows up on the Times Square billboard to thank essential workers.
1: Essential.
0: Thank you. I have difficulty saying two S's at a time. Three kids got the surprise of a lifetime when their artwork showed up on a giant billboard as a colorful reminder to frontline workers that we all thank them for their service. Shutterfly chose a design from more than 450 works of art submitted from children across the nation during the company's hashtag create thanks campaign on Twitter and Instagram. Seven-year-old Kelly Rose Simpson Ford is the Long Island granddaughter of a New York City transit worker who inspired her drawing. She wanted to show him appreciation for helping people commute to work on the transit system, and her mixed media, quote, thank you, has gone from hanging on her front door to hanging in Times Square. While New York City has been in the beginning stages of reopening, essential workers there continue to rely on mass transit during the pandemic, and Shutterfly chose two of the city's busiest commuter hubs, Grand Central Station Station, and Port Authority to display uplifting messages of things crafted by children to bring a little joy to their commutes. The digital image company surprised Kelly Rose and her family, unveiling her artwork to them for the first time at 8th Avenue and 42nd Street, where her artwork is emblazoned high up on a billboard. Xavier Garcia, age five, also from Long Island, wanted to thank frontline workers for being there for those who are sick in need. Sick and in need. Especially his aunt who is a nurse who is a nurse assistant at Mount Sinai, South Nazal Sorry, I don't know. Okay. Quote, I made this picture to thank the doctors and nurses for being superheroes. Rounding out the trio is a Brooklyn four-year-old named Amari London Alhazan. Amari London Alhazen. That sounds better. Who wanted to share a heart and a helping hand to show her appreciation for healthcare workers everywhere including his mom, who is a physician assistant. Shutterfly is also delivering things directly into the hands of those who are keeping us healthy by distributing 500 care packages to medical staff at Mount Sinai and Elmhurst hospitals and giving more than $750,000 in donations as part of their For Good initiative. Um, Yeah, for people out in New York, the artwork um, Which will be on this Which was placed in display last week Will remain on the billboards uh, Until July 10th If you guys are out there in New York uh, We have a Well, I have a cousin out in New York And uh, I'm not sure she listens But if you're listening, check out the billboards and anybody else, maybe you could even YouTube or something, you know, check out the billboards and get a little bit of a good vibrations out of that.
1: Yeah, totally. Let us know. We'd love to see it.
0: Well, that was the good news of the week.
1: That was great. Thanks. I like that, um, you know, we're so far. And I don't know about New York, but as of today... We had a little setback, so we are converting to, yes, goodbye bars, and Again. we didn't even make it out to the bar yet, and they already shut down. So, for the next three weeks, we are experiencing- Three weeks? Yes.
0: They just said this weekend. No,
1: he's he's saying like three weeks. Newsom is saying like three weeks, so we're expecting that. So, I'm not sure how the other states are handling their um rise in COVID, but- that's what's happening in California, S- but um, I like that. The one thing we are continuing to praise is the essential workers, and that's really cool because it's not something that kind of just fell off.
0: Oh, they've been here from the beginning.
1: I know that's yeah from the beginning. So it's it's nice. It's nice to hear that. People are still showing their appreciation in such a powerful way, especially for kids.
0: Yeah, and there's people buying, you know, lunches for certain shifts, you know, in the hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah, food. There's people snacks, like, you know, it's like, hey, don't get out of your car. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll pump your gas so you won't have to get out. It's.
1: No, that's cool. It's really nice. Um, As much as I'm sick of hearing about COVID and all the shit that it's fucking caused. I'm glad for that part of humanity that we're, you know, showing our appreciation for those who are actually putting their lives at risk.
0: Every single day. Every
1: single day. Anyway, enough COVID talk. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. But thank you for joining us um as always follow like and subscribe we'll post the uh uh, pics of this episode and the beer and we'll tag the brewery so make sure to give them a follow we
0: won't post pics of this episode because Mm. it's a podcast but we'll post pics of the beer
1: we'll post pics of the topics of this episode there we go is that better
0: thank you sorry Thank, thank you sorry for clarifying grammar that.
1: Grammar police, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> Anyway, thank you. Have a wonderful and safe 4th of July. Be safe wherever you are, whatever you do. Don't blow off your arms, your hands or your face. And especially
0: your face because that's what your else money are we maker. Look at? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, just take care and be yes, safe. Yes, and then
1: and we'll no promises just yet, but if we are able to release a beer, show, so Fourth of will. July edition, maybe. If we don't, that's okay. Tune in next week.
0: We're no gonna drink deal. beer while we pop firecrackers and set off those little snake firecrackers that just sizzle. I'm just gonna up.
1: throw the little poppers at your feet.
0: We and might have a just special guest
1: chase you and throw poppers at you.
0: Well, probably not.
1: No, probably not. That's it. Cheers. Everybody cheers. Toodles and...
0: Nom, 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 nom.